0: Hello and welcome to The Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nicky and I'm joined, as always, by Greg. Good
1: evening, and it's definitely evening for both of us, because you're in the dark.
0: It certainly am. I'm in the dark. I've got to draw the curtains because it helps block out the sound from outside a little bit. Mm. Otherwise, it is still quite light here. It's only, well, half past eight. But really? uh, the, it's still quite light, but it's definitely very dark where you are.
1: It's definitely dark where I am because I, since since the last time we uh, recorded the podcast, which wasn't that long ago, I think it was just under two weeks ago, I've since relocated, and I'm now in Dubai in temporary accommodation. But I'm on the fifty seventh floor, so the chances of any outside noise being picked up is slim. However, the chances of one of our cats meowing in the background is high. So apologies should you hear him as he cuts about this little apartment. We're not here forever.
0: Well, we'll look forward to that and we will listen out for any cats in the background meowing at any random point. Of course, you could have a a helicopter going by on the fifteenth. 7th floor, it's, you know, it, it does happen. I did see a photograph the other day of a helicopter in, I think it was Dubai Marina, and it was carrying a massive
1: chrome gorilla. <laughs> yeah, never saw that, and I'm, and I'm in the marina funnily enough. Just casually flying,
0: you know, from building to building just a helicopter delivering a chrome gorilla. Having lived in Dubai for yeah. like 12 years, that. Doesn't surprise me. That's kind of yeah. the, the everyday occurrence that you would see that you wouldn't really bat an eyelid at.
1: Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, I mean, I feel a bit like a stranger in a strange land. Although I know Dubai a wee bit from because I've been coming here for work and for like holidays, one reason or another for a while. Where we are just now, we couldn't get a parking space. We We rented a car. We couldn't get a parking space in the building. So my wife uh, managed to secure a parking space in the hotel over the back. So the other day I was walking around to the hotel and I found someone's Emirates ID, which, as you know, it's quite an important thing to have, the old Emirates ID. Basically, it's, uh, you need it for pretty much everything. There was a police car parked in front of our building. So I double back with a card to give it to the police. Because I'd heard, wait, it might, the, the the country that I was in before, which I can say now is Kuwait, so I was a little bit nervous about saying it on earlier episodes, just in case, because Kuwait's quite conservative. But I knew that when you lost like the Kuwait equivalent of an Emirates ID, or if you found one rather, you should hand it into the police station. If you lost your own, you should report it. I thought about being a good citizen, uh, a good newly arrived citizen. I went to the police car parked outside the building. And I said this, and I found this. Um, <laughs> I found this Emirates ID lying in the street here. And the first policeman pointed me in the direction of his uh, colleague who was in the driver's seat. So I walked round the car and I explained myself to the other policeman and he said, Just hand it in to the police station. And I was thinking, Bill, well, I think you'll be in the police station before before I will. <laughs> you know? No, 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 no. You just you just hand it in at the police station.
0: You'll come to experience that. It's not yeah. worth their time to do the paperwork. Anyway. We won't get bogged down in the law of Dubai since you're now living there and I will be back there quite soon for a visit if I get in the country. Talking about your new home, but your old home, Scotland. Have you found anything that's been exciting in the news this week? Although, before you start... I would like to give a shout out to, uh, if you remember, on a previous episode we announced Scotland's latest lord, which was of course the convicted head case, Charles Bronson. Are you aware that Scotland has another new lord?
1: Yep, I believe it's, um, is it not Ice Cube? It is indeed, yes, it is Ice Cube
0: who claims that he is a real Scottish lord and he has shared a video of his plot of land which is near Huntley which is you know kind of close to my old stomping ground in Aberdeen so he's uploaded a video which shows the the plot of land in Aberdeenshire which he says he is a lord of and he uploaded a photo of his proclamation certificate so I would just like to welcome Lord Ice Cube to Scotland I hope you have a wonderful time and rule the
1: land. Do you think he's going to um, build like a big sort of Bel Air type mansion? Dig out a big pool? He might regret doing that. I don't think the summers in Scotland really support like hundreds of beautiful women in bikinis dancing around a freshly dug pool. (laughs) No, I don't think
0: the area of Huntley is very conducive to that. I think he's going to get a bit chilly. In fact, I'd probably be surprised if he ever even visits it. Never mind. So, good luck, Lord Cube. Lord Cube. On from there. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome to Scotland, Lord Cube. Uh, now, that's the lords out of the way. Have you seen anything in the news this week that's caught your eye, Greg?
1: Well, it was it was tough looking for news this week after the, the salt-coats uh, Iceland job in the freezer story from the last episode, but... I did find, I, f- I found like, I found three, well, two good stories and one sort of passive one. But the first one is about a young woman who's a mother of three. Obviously, Scotland, like the rest of the world, has been up against it with uh, COVID-19, coronavirus uh, restrictions, lockdowns and things. And one of the, the, the businesses that was forced to close for a long time in Scotland was the much-loved Greg's the Baker. Which isn't only in Scotland. Actually, the company actually comes from the northeast of England, but it's very, very popular in Scotland. As all good bakeries are, you and I have discussed in the podcast before how important a good baker's is. Uh, Aberdeen, obviously, for you and I, being a particular hot spot of decent bakers when we were young. But this young woman called Caitlin who's from Paisley in Renfrewshire. She was missing. She's a hairdressing student. Don't know if that's relevant. But she was missing Greg so much during the lockdown that once restrictions were eased and tattoo parlours were once again allowed to operate in Scotland, she got the Greggs logo tattooed on her arse. Oh, lovely. Yep. Um, So she said, uh, what it says in the article, it says, Caitlin from Paisley in Renfrewshire said, Despite cruel jibes from online followers, she has no regrets over the unusual body art. The hairdressing student said, I'm obsessed with Greggs and I've always loved their sausage rolls. Well, who doesn't? Who does not appreciate a good Greggs sausage roll? Reasonably priced, always a bit tepid, but you know. She said, Before lockdown... I used to get one nearly every day. And if you see a picture of Caitlin, you know, you can tell that she was a frequent visitor to Greg's.
0: She's no stranger to a sausage roll, we would say. She,
1: she is a robust young lady. She said, before lockdown, I used to get one every day. So I was absolutely gutted, gutted when they closed for lockdown. I was more bothered about Greg's reopening than the pubs. So I decided when the tattoo parlours reopened... That I was going to get something to share my love for them. Most people love it and think it's hilarious. The tattoo artist said to me he was buzzing to do the tattoo, and other people have said it's iconic. Iconic, Nikki? It's iconic. Greg's the, Greg's yeah. the baker of Tattoos in Your Arse is iconic. And the tattoo artist said that Caitlin was a legend. She said some people have said it's embarrassing, but I go over that pretty quickly. Caitlin got over that pretty quickly, and she's still in love with it. The single mum to son Brody, who's 11 months, paid £100 for the 3-inch by 1-inch work on her left bum cheek, which took 90 minutes to complete. Uh, after sharing pictures of her new keepsake on Facebook, Caitlin racked up nearly 3,000 likes and 000, 1, I should say, shares. But she hasn't ruled out getting another Greg's tattoo in the future, Nikki. Oh. She said... I did have some doubts when I was going to get it, and I toyed with the idea of getting. <laughs> I, I toyed with the idea of getting a sausage roll on the other side too, but I think, but I think I'll just wait till the dust settles in this one. Fair play to you, Caitlin. She, you know, she marches to the beat of her own drummer. She's got sort of a blue, like the hairdressing student has, sort of purple blonde and blue hair. There's a picture of her in the article holding a picture of us. She's wearing like a, a combat jacket. She's got her jeans pulled down just enough to show off her left her left arch arse, arse cheek. She's got a sausage roll in one hand, and bizarrely she's got a, a mobile phone showing a picture of the Greg's logo in her other hand, and obviously you can see her tattoo there. So yeah. Obviously
0: just to show you know how realistic it is and how good it is. Now, I I haven't seen an image of young Caitlin, but all I have in my mind now is young Caitlin out for an evening she meets a young man, they they get on well they head off, they, they go back to his or, or back to hers and they're getting down and having a, a cuddle. Romantic time. Yep. Yeah they're having romantic time and as he's taking Caitlin roughly from behind and stares <laughs> down, he's just thinking oh I could right go a fucking sausage roll <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to make you hungry, isn't it? <laughs> Especially if she gets an actual sausage roll tattooed on the other cheek. <laughs> Jesus Christ, uh-huh. that's just going to send you potty. The poor guy is just going to finish as quickly as he can and then <laughs> head
1: out to the baker. And he is well. I mean, apparently you can you can get Gregs on uh, like just eat and delivery in the UK now. So I don't know if it's 24 hours. But if he's uh, if he's hankering for a steak bake after be after seeing the Caitlin's tattoo then it's, it's all there, you get anything you want these days Nicky, Any any hour, it's all an app away.
0: So he could see it as he's mid-stroke think, I'm hungry, reach over, get his phone, place an order, and by the time he's finished, if Caitlin's that lucky then <laughs> is gregs could be arriving that's that's brilliant this is the world we live in nowadays exactly. modern technology it's wonderful just to ask because obviously we had a story last week about a guy getting a, a tattoo of his favorite nightclub and they replied that it was shocking have gregs commented on caitlin's tattoo at all
1: uh well the journal well, though the article doesn't suggest that they have Tried to reach Greg's for a for a comment, but the thing is, right now I've got two daughters who I love very very much, although they do try my patience sometimes. But you know, at the end of the day, now the thing is in this picture of Caitlin, there's a close up picture of the tattooed buttock, and she's wearing. You, know, you gotta be careful what you say now because you can't you, can, you can't make fun of people that are overweight anymore, or you could end up being cancelled, whatever that means, right? But Caitlin's a bit overweight. It's hardly a surprise when she says she ate, like, Greg's every day. Now, regardless of whether my daughter was overweight or not, I don't think I'd want a close-up photograph in the paper of her arse. Regardless of what was tattooed on there, Nicky. Doesn't matter what was tattooed on there. It could be a lovely picture. could be a Greg's the Baker logo. But, but Caitlin's wearing, like, thong.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's got to be uncomfortable if her dad's down at the social club and you imagine? His, his old mates are, like, oh. Saw your Caitlin's arse in the paper Oh my aye, aye it was a very proud Loves day Greg's. Loves the Greggs Loves the Greg's.
1: Gregs. they say <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll get Caitlin a, a gift voucher For Greggs for her birthday oh. There is a possible Business for Caitlin That she could earn some money To pay for her next tattoo Of the sausage roll Now, my first news story, I'm not sure how real this is because you do see these things and I did actually see this post on Facebook, but it did make the newspapers so it counts as news. Social media users were left horrified after an Ayrshire man tried to flog his dead sister's underwear. (laughs) (laughs) The offending post first appeared on a Facebook buy and sell group earlier this week. The man, whose identity is unknown, shared more than a dozen pictures of frilly thongs and knickers allegedly belonging to his late sibling. So He's posted this on the Ayrshire page buy and sell. Exactly as it says, he has posted I think 16 pictures of the undergarments in various states and the, the states. well because <laughs> Soiled, <laughs> clean. The, the post that he's written worn to sell these says house clearance as my sister has died size 14 pants fucking hell <laughs> <laughs> 2 pounds a pair for new pairs or 10 pounds a pair for worn unwashed <laughs> ideal what? for fetish <laughs> Discount for more than one pair can post discreetly. <laughs> so, so he's selling his. Sister. I, I, I have no idea how many of unwashed underwear there is, but. Uh, he has pointed out it's ideal for those with a fetish. So included in the snaps of the uh, undergarments are a pair of crotchless panties, but it's <laughs> unclear what condition they were in.
1: <laughs> Size 14 crotchless panties.
0: My wife. Uh, so this went up and obviously it went viral and you know people were commenting like, what is wrong with people? Seriously. Another one joked, how much for 12 pairs worn, I'm asking for a friend. While the third says, it's not worth it. There's no strings attached. (laughs) The fact that he's put house clearances, my sister has died. (laughs) Is is someone going to be getting off on the fact that it's a a pair of soiled undergarments from a dead woman?
1: (laughs) From beyond the
0: grave. (laughs) Like I'm very sorry for your loss and fair play, you're trying to profit off of this, but I've no idea if it's it's real or not. But anyway, that tickled me. I I really did enjoy
1: seeing that. I mean, the thing is, you can imagine, especially. I mean, it seems like I think Facebook, maybe even more so than Twitter, is the place to find this sort of rhetoric. But I can imagine the outrage when you get when you get when you go down the rabbit hole in the comments. There'll be somebody who's written like a fucking essay. (laughs) <laughs> about how wrong it is that this guy's selling his dead sister's knickers, and why? Let's face it, probably a woman. Not to be sexist, but I think a woman has more right to be outraged by something than that, by something like that, than a guy does. But you can just imagine the horror, the outrage, and the fucking like, the, you know, the probably fairly poorly written, <laughs> to be honest, post that somebody's like fired out with one thumb on their phone after coming across it um, I really I, I, I kind of hope that it's it's a true story, Nicky, i got to be honest
0: oh, I would love it if it was true, but yeah I I completely agree, I can only begin to imagine the the, the responses on the Ayrshire page buy and sell of people being <laughs> outraged, but also you know, people inquiring about purchasing said as well <laughs> Anyway uh <laughs> What else have you seen? <laughs> Any brass I
1: mean, for sale? Oh, well, no brass for sale. But that story does take me. It it could take me into either of my next two, my next sort of two stories, and I, I think it sort of takes me into the first one a wee bit better, just because of the whole deceased lady knickers necrophilia suggestion. So as we as as we like to be current. On the swally. and by the time this goes out, this might not be current anymore. But people in Scotland, I understand, are enjoying. Well, people in Britain, I should say, are enjoying the the new drama, the new crime drama on uh, ITV about the Scottish serial killer Dennis Nielsen, who murdered a number of homeless men in the in the late seventies and early eighties in London. So he's being portrayed at the moment. On this drama by David Tennant, and by all—I've not seen it yet. I did start watching it last night. I only I only got into like the first sort of fifteen, twenty minutes of it before my VPN gave up on me. But David Tennant is getting a lot of praise for his portrayal of Dennis Nielsen, as is uh, Daniel Mays as his for his portrayal of the police officer that Nixon. him. But a lot of people. South of the border, who are used to seeing David Tennant playing Doctor Who uh, and a number of other parts where he's required to put on an English accent, such as uh, the Neil Gaiman adaptation that was on when he was in Michael Sheen, which the na- name I cannot remember, but they're quite, they're quite impressed by Scottish accent. And <laughs> so, fans of the three part series were left confused by the actors' insert quotation marks. Fantastic accent with many of them not realising that he's actually from Scotland. The new dark drama follows the 1983 arrest of the softly spoken murderer who killed up to 15 young men and boys in London. There's suggestions of necrophilia that we don't have to go into. But fans, fans took the social media to discuss Tennant's eerie portrayal of the killer from Fraserborough, Aberdeenshire, He also lived in Stricken um, and praised them for putting on a great Scottish accent. Um, One fan tweeted, David Tennant definitely nails the Scottish accent in hashtag des. Another wrote, David Tennant puts on a great Scottish accent. So English English listeners, David Tennant's from Scotland.
0: I did read this and it did cross my mind that, okay, fair enough. People have maybe just seen him in in Doctor Who where he didn't have a his normal accent and then I thought wait a minute this is a, a three part ITV drama the kind of people that are watching this probably watch ITV dramas I'm pretty sure they've probably fucking seen Broadchurch in exactly. which David Tennant speaks with a Scottish accent yeah.
1: <laughs> like, with, with a really convincing Scottish accent <laughs> like, so why are they surprised <laughs>
0: fair enough no, I don't know maybe doing them a disservice but yeah I did see that and I did find it very amusing that people were saying that he
1: nailed the Scottish accent nailed it mate nailed, nailed it, it. Really, con- really convincing hashtag des hashtag hashtag David Tennant speaking of nailing uh,
0: <laughs> police are hunting a couple that were spotted filming a porn film in a Scots public park <laughs> this was um, this was in Dunblane. Last week, police are hunting a man and a woman who were spotted filming porn in a public park. The police were alerted after a a semi-naked woman was seen carrying out a sex act in front of a man with a camera in broad daylight near a community garden. This was spotted by a member of the public and it happened, I think, around 6.30 p.m. The police were called, Uh, they were reported that the woman was carrying out an indecent act and indecent exposure, but the man and the woman could not be found. So, obviously they'd finished and probably went off to Greg's to get a sausage roll.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then up the high street for a tattoo.
0: (laughs) A community source said, this is a public park. It's where children and young people go to play sports. You don't want to see this kind of thing in a public space. Well, of course not. You want to see it in the privacy of your own home. (laughs) This alleged behaviour should not be taking place. So it's alleged behaviour. So there's no proof, really. Until... The porn film is released, (laughs) and then we'll see if someone recognises the park. The police confirmed that no suspects had been identified in relation to the incident, but it said officers were investigating. I presume that means they're currently combing Pornhub, (laughs) (laughs) looking for any indication. Nah, sorry Goff. I've I've watched 42 videos so far today.
1: And I haven't found anything yet
0: Well I've found a few things But I haven't found the done plain one yet
1: Nothing connected to the case we're investigating I mean, the, I mean the thing is People were like stuck in the house for a long time In Scotland during lockdown You're just glad to be outdoors again Enjoying nature out in public spaces You know what I mean I think we're a wee bit, a wee bit quick to judge Whoever uh, whoever reported them to the police
0: Yeah so that's the the first thing you do When you get out of lockdown well, the second thing, the first thing you do is you go and get a tattoo of Greg's on your arse. And exactly. the second thing is you then go and film a porn film in a park <laughs> and then go and pick up some soiled knickers that you've bought on Facebook. <laughs> I'm not quite sure which order's best to do that. But.
1: I mean, what, what sort of relationship? You, you You and I both have sisters. I've got four younger ones. You've got an older sister. I know that you're very close to your older sister. Equally, I'm very close to my four younger sisters. God forbid anything should happen to any of the five of them. What sort of person's first act is to get their underwear on, like, a buy and sell page in the fucking local paper?
0: Maybe he's just trying to earn some money. I don't know. Times are hard at the moment.
1: <laughs> well, well, you know, you're right. Times are hard, which... Takes me into my last story. This concerns a, a young man called Ross Hunter from Scotland. He attempted to send a kilo of ecstasy tablets to a Glasgow flat using yodel. Yodel, for those who might not know, is basically a... Postal Service. He apparently the it contained over a kilo of MDMA, this package, with a street value of £41,500. He's been sent to jail, Ross. He's only 29. He's a young guy. He tried to post it. He tried to post the package from the Netherlands, Nikki where you are, Oh. Um, to, to Glasgow. He was given £1,200 by somebody who's not named in the article. <laughs> and if Ross has got any sense, he'll keep whoever gave him that money to keep their name to his fucking self. It was intercepted, though, en route to Scotland uh, by Yodel. I don't know how Yodel... F- it doesn't say how Yodel found it. I guess they must have some sort of scanning equipment for uh, for detecting contraband things. Yeah, they would um, x-ray their, their packages, and obviously if it comes up with a,
0: a load of pills, then they're probably going <laughs> to check it in case it's medication or in case it's a kilo of ecstasy tablets. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was only. It was, he was literally paid twelve hundred pounds, which, in the scheme of things, is not an awful lot of money to risk your liberty. Do you know what I mean? Ross is shiting it, basically, about going to prison. Shiting it. The sheriff Martin Jones, the QC, he's a he's a he's a first offender. Ross, he's obviously just you know trying to impress the wrong people. Hmm. Uh, Martin Jones, QC said it's unfortunate to see a man at 29 with no previous convictions facing a sentence for a serious (laughs) offence involving a a kilo of classic drugs. People like you play an essential role and regrettably, a custodial service is necessary and the only appropriate disposal. Uh, the court heard that the package was addressed to one Ralph Allen of Glasgow's Queen Street. I didn't... I mean, it's not an awful lot of... Well, maybe there is. I don't know. You don't associate Queen Street in Glasgow with as a residential place, because it's right in the city centre. It's right in George mm. Square. But anyway, it was spotted at a, at a yodel depot in Hertfordshire. Uh, Ross is from Scottsdale. Him and his partner were arrested and quizzed. During the interview, Hunter made a full confession of his involvement. He was broken pretty quickly. He was in financial difficulties. He left his job due to mental health issues. We've heard that a few times, I think, on the swally. He was given £1,200 cash up front to sort it out. Stephen Fox, who's defending Ross, said that Mr Hunter is terrified of going into custody. I'm fucking sure he is. I'm sure any of us would be. I'm not surprised, yeah. Fucking should have known better, mate. I mean, that I, that is something I have thought
0: about before, and it does bring well, up an interesting post case. the drugs back to Glasgow. No, but <laughs> let's say, for example, that when you were living in Kuwait, let's say I right. posted you a kilo of heroin, right? right? Now, I don't. I go to the post office, I don't have to give a name or anything, I just send it. It's on its way to you. It'll get intercepted, uh, highly likely, then mm-hmm. surely you would be royally fucked because it's coming to you, so it's just your word to say, well, I don't know where it's come from, but it's got your name on it. Given the laws in the Middle East, you'd probably be looking at four years in jail. <laughs> yeah, I know,
1: or execution, depending oh. on where you were in the Middle East. Yeah, it's just something that crossed my mind. But the thing is, though, but when you send something with Yodel or DHL or Aramax or something... You have to say who you are. That like you have to. They have, they have to know who the sender is. Because I I've I've sent things from QA back to the UK. Like hey, not I've not sent like a kilo of MDMA back there. But you know, like paperwork and stuff like that. And I've and I've always had to say who I am and give them my address. So Ross is obviously he must have um he might he must have done that in in uh, the Netherlands. He must have like <laughs> he must have given his name and address. <laughs> to the yodel here who picked up the gear. Not exactly the perfect crime.
0: It's not, no. Definitely not the perfect crime. Fucking idiot, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ross, what are you thinking?
1: <laughs> what you got? What else you got?
0: Um, well, that is it. I, I do have another uh, slightly amusing story, which I could quickly go into, because it did tickle me. Uh, this is just fucking ridiculous. Uh, this is uh... a... <laughs> Coronavirus Scotland. A very quick story. It's about a mum and son who were trapped in their home for two days after Argos delivered a sofa and left it blocking their front door. (laughs) The single mum was forced, FORCED to eat pizza passed through her window after Argos delivery men left her trapped in her home for two days by blocking her only exit with her new sofa. She ordered this sofa and She split up with her husband, starting a new life for herself with her seven-year-old son, and ordered these sofas from Argos. The delivery men came and tried to get it through the door, and they did. They got it in the door, but they couldn't get it up the stairs, and they just fucking left it. (laughs) (laughs) She was trapped upstairs, couldn't access the door. Apparently, the delivery staff refused to take it up because of coronavirus restrictions. So it was very much a case of, sorry, we can't take it up. We could get the COVID. So she was <laughs> left in tears and had no way of escaping and had to resort to ordering takeaway pizza to be delivered through the railings of her upstairs window. How the fuck... Did they use a cherry picker to deliver? Like, did Domino's have cherry pickers now or something? Or did the guy stand on his scooter to post it through? She was in an absolute emotional distress. She had to call her ex-husband to help move the sofas. They managed to move one, but they weren't able to move the second. It wasn't until the second day when her elder son Jack came round and they were able to move the sofa and free them from their accidental prison. Sarah said, I was crying so much. I was literally breaking down. She was literally breaking down. It was a fire hazard and a really dangerous situation to be left in by an established company like Argos. <laughs> She's fucking with <blaming> Argos. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got over the emotional impact of it. I'll never touch what? Argos again. <laughs> She's told everyone about it, though. Has she? She's told every friend, everyone at the bus stop, don't trust Argos. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, so I mean, I, I guess that she, well, when you started telling the story, I thought, well, she must live in a masonette, because my dad lives in a maisonette in Cumbernault, and there is only literally one entrance in to his house. A ground floor door takes you upstairs into the landing. I don't know I don't know how they would get a fucking pizza like, to her upstairs window, because my dad's windows are probably about maybe 15 feet high. So to your point, <laughs> how the fuck how the fuck are Domino's getting pizzas into Maisonette windows? Unless, of course, she's perhaps embellishing the story a little bit. I, would, You know, I'm not saying she is, I'm not saying she isn't, just putting it out there. Is she making it seem worse than it actually is,
0: maybe? Yeah, I've no
1: idea, because she said, like, we were starving, but we
0: couldn't get out the door, so we ordered a pizza. So you haven't got any food in the house. Okay, fair enough, mm. that that can happen. The delivery guy came along and had to push the pizza through the railings of the kitchen window. The pizza guy said, I don't want to push it through the railings because the toppings will fall off. But I told him to just do it because we were starving.
1: (laughs) It was either that that or I ate my son. Okay, (laughs) my son.
0: So, I think that sums up the news for this week. Yeah,
1: What what a week it was. What a week it was. Shall we do a
0: review? Let's do a review. Let's do a review. Let's have a look at a key piece of Scottish media pop culture. So it was my choice this week. And just to preface this, I think it goes without saying on the swally, but the items that we have reviewed in the past have all been things slightly older. I think like 98 is probably the the most recent thing that we've reviewed so far. Um, It goes without saying that what we're about to review is caliber, uh, 2018 film. If you haven't seen it, there's going to be a lot of spoilers. So I would suggest you go and watch Calibre before you listen to this, if you want to see it. And I would highly recommend you see it, because we're going to be spoiling quite a few things (laughs) for you on this. Written and directed by Matt Palmer, it's 2018 film Calibre, starring Jack Loudon, Martin McCann, and Curren. It tells the story of two school friends, Vaughn and Marcus, who go to the Highlands on a hunting trip. They have a night in the village pub and meet some locals and then they go hunting the next day when a hungover Vaughn accidentally shoots a young boy. The young boy's father arrives, overcome with emotion, points a gun at Vaughn and Marcus ends up shooting the dad. Rather than go to the police, they end up burying the bodies, but. When it turns out that they're relatives of some of the locals, they try and keep their cool, swallow their paranoia, and try to act normal. Even joining the search party to look for the father and son. So, I had seen this film before, but was this the first time that you'd actually viewed it, Greg?
1: Yeah, I hadn't seen it before. You you mentioned it when we were talking about things to review for The Swally a a few months ago. What, I know, I know, I know. One of the reasons that you recommended it was that it was a good, robust hour and forty minutes. Made a long chat about films being too long in the last episode. So yeah, I hadn't seen it. I've got to say, I really, really enjoyed it. It sort of, remi- it, you know, it sort of reminded me a bit of. It's got a little bit of like. Straw dogs in there. There's a wee bit of deliverance in there to some extent. I really, really, it, it wasn't. It wasn't what I was expecting at all. To be honest, I didn't read anything about it before I watched it. I just thought I'll go in. I'll go straight into it. Really enjoyed it. It's been a while since um I've seen like a good sort of Scottish under the radar thriller. I'm very glad to hear that. I was the same when
0: I first watched it. I I didn't know anything about it. I it came up on Netflix. And I saw it was set in Scotland. I read it was a bit of a thriller. I think I probably watched a bit of the trailer on Netflix, on Netflix as you know, yeah. because it started. And then mm-hmm. I ended up, you know, as we discussed, one of the first things I looked at was the runtime. I was like, ah, it's an hour and 40 minutes. Why not? So... I ended up watching it and I was really blown away by it the first time I watched it. I really enjoyed it. And it's funny that you say that because the director, actually, he did cite his influences were Deliverance and Straw Dogs. And it really (laughs) does, it does lend a lot to that. I really like the film. It just illustrates beautifully, like, what can happen when you make a genuine mistake and the way it is done, you know, Vaughn it, it's a genuine mistake that he shoots this boy mm. yeah. and okay it goes a bit wrong when Marcus kills the father but it illustrates what goes wrong when you make a genuine mistake and you try and cover it up by lying and it just gets worse and mm-hmm. well, boy does it get worse for them. Even watching it again the second time and it's the second time I've seen it to review for the podcast I was still you know tense as fuck watching it (laughs) I've seen it I know what happens but the tension in it is just, it's fantastic it's brilliantly acted as well by Jack Loudon and I think they were very lucky to get him they they cast him because he was kind of a, a little bit unknown but he was up and coming and I think like a week after he'd effectively signed on the dotted line to star in this film he got cast in Dunkirk by Christopher Nolan (laughs) so (laughs) I think they were really lucky to get him on board for this and you know obviously it wasn't a a huge shooting window for this film but uh, yeah they were very lucky to get him for that and his performance is just fantastic
1: in this. He's a good actor, I mean the first thing I saw him in was uh, fighting with my family about Paige from Norfolk who goes on to WWE stardom he plays her brother and, you know, he obviously that movie is set in, in Norfolk. The characters are all quite broad with their Norfolk accents. And he, he does an absolutely brilliant Norfolk accent. That was the first thing. I, I I did see Dunkirk before I saw Fighting My Family, but it's such a big cast, that film. And they're all in uniform. Do you know what I mean? So you know, unless you know the actor, like uh, Tom Hardy, for example, you wouldn't necessarily you know identify anybody. So that's the first thing I saw him in was fight my family, and I didn't realize he was Scottish. It wasn't you know I've fallen into the habit of if i watch a film i've not seen before going into imdb or wikipedia and seeing what everybody's been in before and i was really surprised to see that he was scottish
0: yeah he's a great actor I, uh, yeah mm. I, I think i yeah i think i saw caliber first and then i saw fighting with my family you know right. a, about Paige, who i've met she's a, oh. a lovely girl yeah yeah very nice <laughs> that's it that's the end of the story that's the end of the story <laughs> i met her in new york yeah that's it yeah <laughs> pretty much. The village that they go to in the film, the a lot of it is centred around the pub, mm. which as you would imagine in a village like that, you know, it's kind of the, the hub. And mm-hmm. they do a very good job of the pub. It's not quite like the slaughtered lamb from American Werewolf in London, but you yeah. kind of get that impression initially that it's, you know, very much a kind of don't like outsiders type place. And then of course they meet the two young girls who appear to be the only young girls in this village, Cara and Iona. And this pub just turns into a fucking mental place towards the end of the night. You know, the, the playing fucking Aztec camera. It's total <laughs> disco. Everyone's enjoying themselves. <laughs> everyone's best. It looks like a great place. And it reminds me how much I fucking love Aztec camera.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. When I heard that song, and No More Heroes, which I think is The Stranglers, right? <laughs> yes. I was like, this is this film has got a fucking brilliant soundtrack. But that's like the only two songs that you would that you that you might know everything else is, has obviously been composed for the movie. But i got to be honest, like, you know, near the beginning of the film, when the character the market... I mean, the thing is, right, the, What a, one thing I will say about this film is that I don't think either character is particularly sympathetically named, like the two leads, because Vaughn it's not a typical Scottish name, is it? I don't know anybody (laughs) called Vaughn, right? Maybe I was just moving in the wrong circles. I used to know a girl that had a guinea pig called Vaughn that lived in our bedroom. I don't know any human beings called Vaughn. And then Marcus. Now, the minute that Marcus appears on the screen, before you even know that his name's Marcus, he just looks like a cunt. You know that he's bad news, right? You know that he's bad news... The minute he steps out, the minute he chaps the door and says hi to Vaughn's wife, the minute I saw him, I thought, you're, fu- you're, a, you're fucking wronging, you're a wronging, you're a cunt. He looks a wee bit like Michael Fassbender, I thought, Yeah, a wee he bit. does, yeah, you're right, actually, yeah. And, you know, they're supposed to be, like, friends from boarding school, which accounts for Marcus's Irish accent, and obviously Vaughn played by Jack Loudon his Scottish. But yeah, as soon as I thought, as soon as I saw him, I thought, something's going to go wrong, and it's going to be this cunt's fault.
0: Well, I guess it kind of is. I mean, it, it, it's not really... It is Vaughn's fault, but it's it's not really. I don't know. It's, it's difficult. You know, who but do you pin the blame on?
1: Wants, I mean, immediately, Vaughn wants to go to the police. He wants to go and tell everybody what's happened. He's he's remorseful immediately. There's Marcus there fucking shooting the dad and digging the, the bullet out the wee boy's head with his knife before they, they, they bury them and Even before any of that's happened, he's fucking giving Charlie to local girls and spending the night with them and upsetting everybody. You know, I mean, it's fucking bad news. Because his name's Marcus. That's the thing, because as you say,
0: Vaughn is obviously racked with guilt at at what's happened, but you're right, Marcus does seem to be taking this in his stride. Maybe it's because he's coked off his tits, but he genuinely does. You know, I mean, they go and have dinner with Logan and they're Mm. tucking into venison and... It's really awkward because Vaughn is obviously you know beside himself, and he he shrugs it off as a hangover. He has to go to the toilet and be sick, but Marcus is just totally calm and cool and collected, and you know it's like he does this all the time. And as you yeah. say, effectively, it is his fault because they could have their escape plan, but the locals end up slashing the tires on the car because he shagged Cara and gave her some coke.
1: That's a that's a thing. She she sticks them in to her dad's best friend. <laughs> you know I mean?
0: The reason she does that is because obviously he, you know, wham bam, thank you ma'am, and then the next night she's looking for round two, but they've got to oh, go and yeah. bury the bodies. That's and, right. You Because know, they do say, you know, want to buy me a drink, and they're quite rude to them because obviously they've got other things in their mind. So she's been spurned, so that's why she goes and yeah. tells on him.
1: But hell hath no fury. Do you know the other thing that the other thing that gives Marcus away as being fucking bad news is that he's wearing one of those leather jackets that doesn't have a collar. You know what I mean? That's kinda of rounded collar, leather jacket that only total pricks wear.
0: Is that the sign of a prick, is it? That's a
1: sign of yeah. <laughs> like a leather bomber jacket with no collar and like one of those rounded sort of beetle like the, like the Beatles the uh, suit jackets they used to wear like in the 60s with that round neck as soon as, you put, as, soon as you put, he puts that on you just you know straight away it's fucking bad news I don't know I don't know why Vaughn's been mates them all these years I bet he's got them into all kinds of scrapes he probably
0: has and I mean Vaughn just wants a quiet life and uh, that's the thing at the, the start he says to his pregnant fiance uh, he doesn't want to go on this hunting trip but he goes and obviously they, you know they're having a good time and fair play you know Vaughn could have slept with Iona, but he doesn't, you mm-hmm. know, because he's he's faithful to his fiance and
1: principles. You know. Yeah, I bet I bet all his leather jackets have good collars. <laughs> 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 he's a good guy, and see that's the other thing, right? See, when they get into the bar, when they first arrive in the bar, Marcus goes up to the bar and he orders two pints. And to the Freugs, right? Chasers, we have to assume. But then later on, he's ordering whiskey and Coke. So do you think he's like having the Freud and Coke?
0: Yeah, but is the whiskey and Coke not for the girls? Oh, maybe. Maybe it is. No. <laughs> I just, I've
1: got it in for Marcus.
0: You certainly do. You've definitely got it in for him. <laughs> I mean, he, he does instantly come across as a knob as well, because when they're in the pub and Vaughn's chatting to, to Logan, played by... Mm-hmm. Tony Curran, Tony Curran, you know, wonderful role. you know, they're getting on fine, and then Marcus comes along, and and Tony, Tony Curran, Logan effectively offers <laughs> to take them, you know, hunting and and guide mm-hmm. them the next day, and Marcus is very rude to him and kind of brushes yeah. him off. I think that does instantly. You can tell that Logan doesn't like Marcus, and and rightly so because he's a fucking knob. But yeah, Tony Curran is fantastic in this, and he's another great Scottish actor. That you know yeah. seems to have been around for a while and been in everything.
1: I mean, I've seen Tony Corden and other things. Yeah, I mean, he's a great actor. He's particularly good in this. And th- what I like about this is that they kind of resist the they they resist the um, temptation to make the locals all a bit sort of backwoodsy, kind of hicks weirdos and everything. That you you know you you find yourself sort of sympathising with the locals and their outrage. You know, and obviously Logan played by Tony Curran as the kind of voice of reason toward the end of the film when the rest of the local guys are outraged by what Vaughn and um, Marcus have done and they want to, you know, extract justice and vengeance on them. It'd be very easy for this film to be a sort of weird sort of Scottish, like, hicks, redneck types in the woods, terrorising these city guys that have come hunting and all that kind of thing. And and, and, and even though Vaughn and Marcus have done something fucking unforgivably horrific, you know, Tony Curran, I think, plays the part of Logan really well in balancing... Because he's related to the wee boy and his dad that have been killed accidentally in balancing his anger and outrage and upset with we've got we still got to do the right thing here we've still got to get the police involved and everything it's uh it's good I, I, you know it, it does subvert like a lot of quite e- what would be quite easy sort of avenues to take the story down or tropes or whatever you know what I mean that, that, that's one of the things I really liked about the film actually yeah it's true you're right
0: it could have gone down a very easy route of making all the locals yeah like inbred hicks, but they're not at all. They, mm-hmm. The mechanic in particular, he's got a couple of great lines that yeah. he effectively warns Marcus away mm-hmm. from Cara um, in the pub, you know, tells her to stay away and Marcus obviously doesn't listen. Then, you know, when they get their tyres slashed to the car and Marcus gets his nose it's kind of broken, then he just quips up with the I told you to stay away from her.
1: But stay cleaner, i lassie what if i don't just offering some friendly advice pa
0: it's your funeral when they get the car to his place and marcus is acting the big shot and you know it turns out to replace these two tires it's going to be 550 pounds and he throws the keys at the mechanic and says for 550 pounds it'll be finished today and the mechanic says, for £550, I'll finish it when I fucking like. Jeep will be ready
1: tomorrow. For 550 you can finish it today. For 550 I'll finish it when I fucking like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's gotten by the Jaffa's there. And yeah, yeah. As you see, it's just the way they've portrayed these characters is fantastic. And Logan in particular you can tell he's kind of the not like the chief but he's he's well respected and regarded by everyone in the village and it's kind of what he says goes and it's very true that effectively they want to kill both of them in the end once yeah. they've discovered what they've done and there is a very chilling line almost that Logan delivers uh, when he's speaking to Vaughn and he says, you know, there's a debt that must be repaid. They've committed a horrific crime in killing these two and covering it up and the locals, they want blood. There has to be a mm-hmm. debt repaid on this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, there's there's a bit of a sort of subplot about how the village has fallen in hard times financially etc, etc. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that they Sort of had to put that in there. You know what I mean? I don't think that it really needed to be there. I, th- I think maybe the sort of feeling was, well, if we sort of paint this picture that the village is in hard times and these people are desperate, then it sort of explains the reaction to what's happened. But I think, you know, just what's happened, I think enough explains the reaction to it. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, yeah, how do you if it's a small community where everybody knows each other. You know, you can sort of believe that there would be people in that community that would immediately jump to that course of action, regardless of what their financial situation was or what their, or what was going on with their business or whatever. But just to backtrack to that scene that you mentioned before with the mechanic, there's one of those scenes that you, one of those little kind of snaps that you get in a lot of movies when somebody throws a set of keys to somebody else and they sort of snatch it out the air. And every time I see a scene like that, I always wonder how many times they had they did that? Oh, wait, how many times did they did the guy miss the keys or miss what it was that was thrown to him? <laughs> Immediately thought that because it's it is quite a funny scene that you know you, you you described it well. But just you know he tosses the keys to the guy and he snatches them out the. I wonder how many times like the the keys like flew over his shoulder or he he, he bats the keys back by accident. <laughs> I'd, I'd never thought about that,
0: but you're right. It's such a, a simple thing, but yeah, it probably takes a few takes to get it right. Something that I wondered watching this again the second time, because I was kind of looking for it. I mean, Marcus, once again, that's fucking, he's such a fuck-up. He's the, the one that initially makes the mistake in terms of when they're in the pub, and I think he's in the toilet, and they're discussing with Vaughn about how Logan's nephew and brother, brother-in-law, are missing. And Marcus comes back, and you know, he's got the first slip-up of uh, when are they due back? And they hadn't mentioned that It was the two It was just the nephew That Mm. they had mentioned When he was there And that immediately Kind of Arouses suspicion Of well How How did you know Why do you say that Are you okay
1: Logan's nephew's missing Camping in the woods
0: All right. And when were they due back Hey Well he didn't go alone did he
1: Why not? An 11-year-old on his own?
0: He doesn't know what age he is. Obviously then, they are acting a bit shifty and Logan asks them to join the search party. Do you think they suspect them of something like long before they find the body?
1: I think that's what you're you're sort of pushed toward that. You know, it's a small community that are, there's people in the community that are kind of wary of incomers. You know what I mean? Because Logan is, Logan doesn't, he he, he, he sort of passes him, but his friend is the one who picks up on it. Hmm. You know what I mean? You know, so I I guess it, it sort of speaks to that kind of, you know, these guys from the city and people, you know, we've got to keep our eye on them and listen to every word they say and all that kind of thing. And I guess, you know, it's supposed to be a sort of an unusual thing that, uh, the brother-in-law and the and the nephew haven't come back, you know, when they were supposed to come back. And there's a there's a near a suspicion anyway. But yeah, Marcus fucking sticks them right in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. He's a fucking clown, you know. Did, did you not think he was a bit quick to? I think it's the scene where uh, is it? I think it's the, it's the scene where they're burying the B boy and his dad, and they go back to bury them. And uh, Marcus realises, you know, he takes one round out of the tree trunk, which I guess is supposed to be the round that's passed through the dad, and he's looking for the round that um, that's hit the wee boy and he feels the back of his head and realises that it hasn't come through because there's no blood on the back of the wee boy's head so you know when Vaughn realises that Marcus is about to dig this round out of um, the wee boy's head and obviously objects to it because it's fucking horrific he's a bit quick to threaten him with a knife ain't not he Marcus? No, I mean? They're supposed hmm. to be old mates. Yeah, you know Marcus makes a big play about look, I'm doing this for you. This is because you made the mistake. I'm doing this to save us both. Blah, blah blah. And then immediately he's he's got he's got the knife up to Vaughn's face.
0: Yeah, that's true. I guess he does kind of turn on him quite quickly. Vaughn gets his payback in the end.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much so. Yeah.
0: But yeah, there's a wonderful tension I felt in terms of when they they join the search party and then when they're kind of making their escape away from the crowd. It it is really tense and you kind of know that they're going to get caught, but you're just not sure. And it does work out quite well in terms of they capture Vaughn and Marcus ends up kind of making his escape, but then eventually
1: they catch him. That Jeep that they're driving in, you know, for a financial advisor, you would think that Marcus would have a, a newer car. Do you know what I mean? Because that Jeep would think a bit of an old one. Yeah, it does. But he's obviously spending all his money on coke. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. How did you feel? Obviously, you're a, a very proud owner of a of a rescue dog. How did you feel when Marcus stabbed the dog to death? Yeah, I
0: hated that. That's yeah, the one bit of the film I really did not like. I don't like to see that at all. I felt nothing about killing the kid, or the dad, but (laughs) when he killed the dog, immediately I was like, right, Marcus, I hope you get fucking killed. Do you think
1: that, are there any other young girls in this village, or is it just Cara and Iona. Certainly seems that. Like, well, there's, yeah. there's the girl who, there's a lady who works on the reception in the hotel. She's a funny character, because when she first checks them in, you know, they, because they, they, again, it, it comes back to my point about them sort of subverting tropes. So they turn up at the hotel and it, it, it's actually like a lot of old Scottish hotels or b bs Do you know what I mean? There's antlers in the wall and stuff like that. So as somebody from Scotland who has stayed in places like that, seem fine, and they kind of turn up at the reception, there's no one there, and you you know, my immediate thought was oh, it's going to be some crusty old belligerent sort of Scottish guy that's going to check them in or give them a hard time. And then this really friendly, quite pretty, nice lady, oh, hiya, and everything. But then later on, When they're at the bonfire for the festival thing, you know she kind of views them with suspicion. You see her like taking a wee boy, and I think hers is the wee boy that spots them coming back from burying the bodies out the window, and she sort of views them with suspicion. And you know, she's not all their warmth towards them sort of evaporated. But yeah, uh, apart from like Vaughn's wife, she's there's only four like female parts in this whole film.
0: There is a another woman. That I think Vaughn has his arm around when they are dancing the, to, to Aztec camera. Aztec <laughs> camera. <laughs> yeah, <I'm laughs> sure. there's a, a, an older woman that's there as well. But yeah, I think <laughs> that's about it. It's basically just Cara and Iona, so it's kind of uh, slim pickings in the town.
1: Well, fair play to uh, Matt Palmer and the and the production guys getting a good Scottish band in the soundtrack. Anyway, yeah,
0: yeah, you no,
1: I, mean? it, it, I absolutely loved that part, and it really. Summed up,
0: and it's such a feel-good song as well. You just, yeah. you could just tell that they're really enjoyed themselves in this this local pub. And hey, fair play, you know, it turns into a, a fair old disco. And you know, good on Marcus. He's brought the marching powder with him, so everyone's <laughs> going to have a good old time.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he's still got like a fair bit of it left because when he gets back to his room after they've done the sort of diversion up to the the other kind of hunting ground and put petrol in the car and everything, and come back to sort of build this kind of flimsy alibi and he's in his room and he gets out his wee baggy gear and he sort of loo- and there's quite a lot in there. I mean I don't know what a lot of cocaine looks like Nicky sh- as, as I'm sure you don't either you know I can only I can only judge it with my naive eyes. It looks like quite a lot of cocaine. I've no idea really. He just he, he kind of discards it. But then he, t- he tans a whole fucking bottle of Balvenie and then only a few hours later he's up and ready. To- no no it's not to tell a lie. He sleeps into the afternoon the next day, didn't he? And if he'd woke up if he hadn't drank all that Balveni and woke up early, they could have driven away. Yeah, again, just fucking, just a fucking liability, Marcus. (laughs) He certainly is.
0: He's a yeah, he's a dick. I mean (laughs) as you say, you know, you kind of feel sorry for Vaughn and you're rooting for him and that's a hell of a choice that that Vaughn has at the end when effectively his choice is that he has to kill Marcus or they both die. You are wondering, like are they going to keep this side of the deal, or are they just going to kill him anyway? And yeah. fair play, they they do let him go after he's shot Marcus.
1: <laughs> after he's shot Marcus, I know. I mean, that's what I liked about the film, because, you know, I mean, they, they, there's a number of ways they could have gone. They could have gone, as you say, with Vaughn not being able to do it, and they both get shot. Or they could have gone another way where Vaughn turns and like shoots one of the other guys, and they manage to scramble to some kind of safety, or they get killed escaping, or they could do. I think probably what the more unexpected ending, because I mean, well, I, I didn't think that um, shoot him. To be honest, I, 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 I thought that I thought that the film would end with with Vaughn being shot by uh, Logan's brother. Bec- you know because it takes a few minutes. You know, he's he can't do it initially. Vaughn, do you know what I mean? He's upset and he. You know, he's sort of appealing to them to be and all that sort of stuff. And then but then he just fucking does it. He just sort of steals himself and does it, right?
0: He really struggles and you can tell. And again, it's it's fantastic acting from Jack Loudon there. You know, you can really tell the anguish and the torment that he's going through. And he just can't do it. But yeah, that surprised me as well that when he does actually do it, there's no hesitation. He just yeah. lifts the gun, just, bang. And I guess that's of what you have to do, your mind's like, when Right, you, I need to do this. you got to show okay, your best mate. you just got to do it. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> do it. And he does, fucking hell, spectacularly. <laughs> and they are as good as their word, you know. Effectively, that is the debt that's been repaid. And mm-hmm. you see Logan effectively coaching him on the story that he's got to tell. And his pure, poor fiance, fiance comes and, and picks him up. Now, I think at the beginning, I I didn't check, but I th- you know you're kind of led to believe it's like Edinburgh that they are living. I think when Marcus picks him up, yeah, I think so. I think yeah, I think it's Edinburgh, and then obviously they're shooting in the Highlands, so his poor fiancee had to you know have a fatal drive, probably looking at about four hours or so to drive and go and pick him up.
1: And she doesn't look all that pregnant when she turns up by No, but I think she's just
0: recently pregnant. Because at the start, yeah. when she's waving them off, she, she's not showing. So I think it's maybe she's just, you know, a couple of months pregnant. Then leads me... It's very well done, I think, the very end of the film, where you see Vaughn still emotionally tortured by this. You know, he's sat up Already, as you hear yeah. the baby crying. And so that's a good point. If she's not showing, she's maybe like two months pregnant. So, got to think eight months later, possibly, mm-hmm. that you're seeing him still effectively dealing with the the torment of shooting his best mate <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and a kid. <laughs> yeah. And he, yeah. And his dad. Although Vaughn doesn't shoot his dad, I suppose, is he? To so
0: be fair. No. No, it's Marcus. It's his his doing.
1: You know, it it did really kind of remind me of these sort of old, sort of 1970s kind of thriller movies. Do you know what I mean? Where, you know, completely unexpected ending. It's not the ending that you kind of want to happen. And I think, you know, you do, you know, as we've discussed at length, I don't think anybody's rooting for Marcus, but Vaughn, you kind of, you kind of want him to do the right thing. You kind of want him. You kind of want him to come out of it all right. And uh, and although Marcus is killed, neither of them come out of it all right. You know what I mean? Like to your point, he's obviously traumatized by what he's had to do. He's sitting up in the dark. You know, he's sitting up. He's sitting up in the dark in the bedroom while his wife's in bed. And you know, I mean, I, I quite like movies like that that end. You know, sort of ambiguous to some extent. You know, it's not like it's not all wrapped up nice and neatly.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean they do sort of paint a picture in terms of the the two leads, you know, it is very obvious you're not meant to like, you know, Marcus is a bad boy because he does cocaine and sleeps with women and he's rude to Logan and stuff. Whereas of course Vaughn is the the goody two shoes in, in terms of, you know, he's nice to everyone, he speaks it's a lovely conversation with Logan he could have easily got his hole with Iona but he doesn't, he's faithful and just has a lovely chat and at the end of the day it's him that kills the kid so Mm -hmm. they do paint that he is meant to be a a sympathetic character and and someone that you're kind of gunning for, that you want him to to be okay effectively in the end because Marcus is the dick and I think they do a very good job of that yeah. <laughs> in terms of painting that. And I, I really enjoyed watching it again. And it's, as you say, it's a very kind of old style thriller. And it's perfect length as well, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of an hour and forty right. minutes. There's, there's nothing that you would cut out of this. There's nothing that you would say is kind of like, Ugh, I wish they'd hurry up with this, or, you yeah. know, this is a bit wasted. They cram a lot in,
1: to the hour and 40 minutes yeah and what else is um what else has Matt Hammer done because it's, it's written and directed by him I couldn't find an awful lot about you know about his career I guess he's maybe he's, you know, he's obviously a new talent I guess but um, yeah this is one of I think this is his first
0: film Um, he was he's English but he studied film I think at Glasgow University right. and he's lived in Scotland for for years, and he did write *Caliber*, but I think it took him about nine years to write it. It was nine years. Yeah, it, it was one of those things that just, you know, kind of yeah. took took its time, and he probably yeah. was a little bit here, a little bit there. But I think the the first thing that came to him, uh, in an interview I read, was effectively the visual of the the doe's head moving, and then the right. boy just being there, and the gunshot which in fact we haven't really spoken about that is a beautiful bit of filmmaking because yeah if if you haven't seen the film before and if you didn't know what to expect it's a fucking shocker yeah
1: yeah
0: <laughs> what happens you just yeah. you know you're expecting him to miss the deer but or, or you know something because he's hung over but when the head just moves you just see the little boy there and yeah. you hear the bang you're like holy fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was the the image he had in his head. I think he just it came to him, and then he decided to write a story around yeah. that. So, it's, yeah, it was
1: very well done. Yeah, and the, you know, there's lots of um, great vista shots of the Scottish countryside, and you you just you can't see enough of that. Those sort of sweeping shots of the of the woods from above and the hills and everything.
0: Yeah, it's a a very Beautiful, sort of yeah. picturesque setting
1: of Scotland. Have you ever been well, hunting? My dad's into hunting. He do, he's, he do, I don't well he doesn't do stalking like the guys are doing in the film, but he shoots like geese and ducks. He's a keen fisherman. When I was younger, we used to uh, go out shooting rabbits with a two But I remember I I was I don't know. I mean I, I've I've never shot anything in my life. I never, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I was, I wasn't a before, um, before Dumbline, as some of my dad's friends had like two, two pistols, uh, automatic ones before they were banned in the UK, and um, I'd had a go when I was like fourteen, fifteen, just shooting at like a empty ammo box or whatever, and I wasn't like a bad shot, but I was always a wee bit. When it came to the shotgun, I was always a wee bit scared of the recoil when I was younger. Right. There's no there was no recoil on these two two rifles or even the pistol, but I, I never liked the shotgun. I think my dad always quite fancied getting me into it. But I remember um going out with him once when I was about fifteen, and him and a few of his friends and they were out shooting geese and it was getting dark and there was a pond that the geese were, were, were coming into. And my dad's one of the guys that was out with my dad was a mate of his and he had just taken up the sport of shooting and he had a gun dog, a Springer Spaniel. So as it turned, I ended up sort of being near him in the kind of bush cover by this pond. And he, the geese came in and he let off a couple of shots and he, lo and behold, he hit one of the geese. So he's, he sent his dog out. The dog has dragged this goose in, but it's still alive, like barely still alive, but it's still alive. And I don't think, he obviously hadn't encountered anything like that before. And He was a big guy. His name was Davey Temple. He's like a, a big, big, solid guy. There was nobody else sort of near nearby apart from me and him. And he said, like, "Oh, the, the the goose is still alive and I said, Well I think you have I think you've got to wring its neck when that happens. And he said, Well I said, I've not done that before. And I said, Well I think it's like a Chinese burn. Do you know what I mean? You know where you get a Chinese burn I think it's like that. I think it's like that. So <laughs> he's got this he grabs this goose by the neck and goes to essentially break its neck. But he fucking accidentally pulls its head right off. And there's fucking blood. He's he's got like a Gore-Tex wax jacket on. There's fucking goose blood the way up his jacket. It's on his face and everything. It's fucking cracking up. The dog's going mental. (laughs) The goose's wings still battering off the floor. Um, I think that was the last time I ever went. I think after that, I, I, I went fishing a few times with my dad, but it's never really... I'm too soft. I'm an animal lover. You know what I mean? I'm not a vegetarian or a vegan i don't, I couldn't kill anything i don't like and i don't really like being i don't really like being around it i never really like being around it i suppose so uh what about you you' been hunting no unless duck hunt on the, duck NES hunt on, counts. the on the
0: NES. yeah yeah i i'm the same i i have never been and i i couldn't i i wouldn't be able to kill anything you know in terms of an animal uh well i think that concludes. Or look at Caliber. So, uh, would you? You said you enjoyed it. So I take it you would recommend this.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I sort of wish I had watched it with because uh, I think she would have liked it as well. But yeah, no, it was. Uh, I really enjoyed it for all for all the reasons I've mentioned at uh, at length already. But you know, I like those sort of independent, based in reality, sort of thrillers. You know what I mean? Because all this is like fairly feasible, I think. You know what I mean? The guys who are from the city think they or one of them at least thinks he can sort of get one over on these kind of country folk. You know what I mean? It all going wrong. You know, maybe the maybe the, maybe the ending is a bit of a leap of imagination, but uh, but the certainly the the premise of the movie. I like all that. I like you know, give me like a amicus horror thriller from the seventies any day. Yeah, no, it's completely realistic, as you
0: say, and it, as I say, it just shows a genuine accident and trying to cover up your mistake and, yeah, this is what it leads to. But yeah, it's completely realistic. As you say, maybe at the end it is maybe a little bit, you know, you have to kind of spend a bit of belief in in terms of that. But yeah, it's... Oozing with with weavers in this film. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Great. Well, I picked caliber, so
1: it's your choice next. What are we going to look at next time? Well, I've given this a lot of thought, and it's this is it's it's kind of your fault. But on on an earlier episode of the Swally, you mentioned the um, the UK TV player app, and you were saying, oh, you know, it's got all the tagrups on it. And so I download I, I downloaded it. I stuck a VPN on and I and I and I burned through the first and I've I've seen them before, but not for a long time. But I burned through the first series and a half of Taggart and I absolutely loved it. So I'm not gonna make you watch the whole first series of Taggart, but I am gonna make you watch the pilot episode killer.
0: Fantastic.
1: I have been
0: meaning to watch it, uh, because obviously I told you about this yeah. and I've been meaning to, but I never got round to it. So I can guarantee I'll watch the first episode, and that's going to get me addicted, and I'll end yeah, up yeah. burning yeah. through the rest of Tagger. But yeah, fantastic! I will look forward to watching the first episode.
1: And if you can get your your lovely wife to join you, because I would to watch it, because I would I would I would love to hear what her thoughts on Tagger are. I I did explain this to her because I did say I
0: was wanting to to watch Tagger and she loves a, a good. Crime drama. Uh, thing is, Taggart would be right up her street, but I don't think she'll understand it because it's pretty broad Scottish. Stick, and
1: stick the subtitles on; be they... fine. There's subtitles, is there on the thing? thing?
0: Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it a try then. Oh, well, uh, we'll give it a viewing, and uh, I'll see. I'll check if there's subtitles, and then we can we can watch it, and I will let you know what she thinks of it. Brilliant fantastic well thank you very much for listening everyone uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us you could follow us on Instagram at culture pod or you can follow us on Twitter as well which is I think what's the Twitter address it's at swally pod isn't it yeah, it yeah, is. It's yeah. at Swally says,
1: <laughs> <says> right. <laughs>
0: or you can email us with anything you'd like us to review or any news stories that you've seen or if you've got a fast food outlet tattoo on your arse then please <laughs> send us pictures We're yeah. not interested in any dead relatives knickers for sale unfortunately right. but if you'd like to get in touch with us then you can email us on cultureswally at gmail.com I'm off to go and watch some (laughs) tagger. Till next time. See you later.
1: See you later.